Welcome to The Soul Journey, where we will discuss the journey of people, authors, musicians, clergy, blue collar, white collar, and beyond, and find out what drives their journey. I'm Proverb Newsom. The Soul Journey starts right now. Welcome to Sojourn. I'm your host, Proverb Newsom, and we're here today in Stewart, Florida, at the Grace Place, talking to Pastor Jeff Williams, aka J Dub. How you doing, man? Oh, good, 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 man. Good to be on the show. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, brother, I'm just uh, blessed uh, beyond imagination with what God's doing in my life, and happy to be here. Happy to talk to you, ah. my good friend and brother in Christ. And uh, yeah, man, it's all good. That's awesome, man. It's been a, it's been a while since we've had a chance to catch up, and so I wanted to. Number one, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while because I think you have an interesting story, man. I think people would benefit in hearing what you know your journey has been, and uh, but it just never worked out until now. So so here we are, no doubt, at your at your spot in your office. In fly office that it is the grace place the grace place Stuart. so what is your official title here what do you do here so I am um, family and young adults pastor so um, I, I do events that concern families and, and work with uh, marriage uh, ministry as well as um, do the young adults program and then I'm, I'm an assistant pastor so I assist the senior pastor um, what, whatever that means so you know even from uh, preaching on the weekends when he needs it uh, and of course uh, worship planning and things of that nature as well. Okay, man. It's good. So how did you get to be the pastor to young adults here? I mean, what were you doing before you got into this ministry? Before I came here, it, um, I was leading as a volunteer uh, a young adults program at another church. And I did that for a year. And before that, I had, you know, I kept feeling that calling in my mind, you know, just like God putting in my mind this, this young adults and but, you know, for two or three years, people were running that young adults program. So there was no place uh, for me to be a part of that. And so I just, you know, just wrote it off. And then uh, there came a time when they said, hey, you know, uh, our young adult leaders have stepped down and we're praying about, you know, somebody to step up. You know, at, at that meeting right then, right now, man, is, is just as real as you're sitting here from me. I felt God tug on my heart and say, you know you've been being called to this, raise your hand. So I sit there literally, (laughs) raise my hand like this, looking around. And I'm like, and he's like, yes, J-Dub? I'm like, "Uh, I think I'm being called to do this. And he's like, well, I'm I'm not putting that out there for you to volunteer. I'm just saying we need to pray. But I'm like, no, 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 no. God's been like putting this on my heart for the last couple of years. And so I took that step out and it was an insane, amazing journey. Um, you know, really uh, had to kind of start from ground up. And, um, you know, God just shaped me over that year. And mm-hmm. then after a year, just seeing tons of blessings and salvation and spiritual growth, numerical growth, God opened the door for me to transition into full-time ministry here at the Grace Place. Man, that's awesome. That, that sounds like a pretty cool journey. And you said now you deal with young adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, singles, mm-hmm. married, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and you minister to them on all types of different levels, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And so 
You've been here for about a year now. That's correct. Uh, November right. marked my first complete full year, full-time ministry, yeah. So. And how has that been? How's that been for you? <clears throat> it's been amazing, brother. I mean, look, you know, we're all on, you know, a journey and, you know, we all have areas that need to get, you know, shaped and formed and nobody's perfect yet. So we're on this journey and, and I, by any means, I have so many areas in this first year alone that I've just grown so much, mm-hmm. learned so much, yeah. and no doubt, um, I mean, I got a lot, a lot more to, to learn and to grow. But it's been great. It's been an amazing experience, and uh, it's just a blessing to do ministry and to be able to do it full time. Yeah, um, has been something that I loved, and also something that I said I would never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever ever do <laughs> now now why would you be so adamant as to say you would never ever 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 do it well there's a, a few reasons that are behind that um and so my previous experience as a a young christian born again believer i had seen so many uh pastor families mm-hmm. pastors families that were um dysfunctional, torn apart by the ministry, and it just turned me off. And um, I had a, a point in time when I was in high school and this girl whose dad was a Christian counselor, yeah. you know, and, and, she, and she had some, you know, just tore up, payless shoes held together with duct tape. Busted! And she looks at me, and I'll never, I've never forget it, like a ghost, like the face of a ghost. I'll never forget it. Looks at me and says, Jada, what are you doing for college? I said, well, I'm going to get a degree in Biblical studies and a minor in business. She goes, good. Whatever you do, don't go into full-time ministry. Oh, man. And so Dang. that that just like, bam, just like, uh, I ain't going to lie to you. That like stuck with me Yikes. for the rest of my life. Now that with other things that I've seen, yeah. I, I said, look, I just want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a Christian. You know, I'll be a hundred percent committed volunteer, but I just had no desire to have the title or to be a pastor. Yeah. You didn't want to be a part of that nightmare that she was describing. That right? she was describing. Yeah. And I, obviously I think that was the enemy. Sure. You know, yeah. doing whatever Man, he does. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And you, and you hear that a lot from, from, uh, you know, people that are close up to the pastors, sure. like their kids and, and sometimes their wives, I mean, and obviously, you know, there's the, there's a flip side of that coin where pastors are doing it right as opposed to absolutely doing it wrong, right? absolutely. And the wrong, those stories you hear, the guys doing it right, you don't hear. They're just doing it. Yeah. You know, and they're yeah. living their lives and they're ministering and they're doing doing what they should be doing. So you are now the minister to young adults, right? Just young adults. Just yeah, young we adults. have a student pastor. So so young young adults here at the Grace Place, and your journey has been. A pretty incredible one, man. So before we jump into how you, you know, your journey, your whole journey, what what is one of the most difficult things that you've encountered during your first year here at ministry? So like from your transition from, you know, average Joe working a job, mm-hmm. doing right by his family, taking care of his kids, uh, and then you get called into full-time ministry. So you're not punching the clock, punch in, punch out, <coughs> go home hang with the family. Now you're you're really in a job that where you're never off the clock, right? Sure. Yeah. So what what is one of the most poignant lessons that you've learned over the last year? Well, here's the cool thing that I think, Prof, and um, you know, I had a, a good friend of mine see some transitions in my life before this whole thing yeah. transpired. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said he said, "Jay, he's grooming you. He's grooming you." 
And uh, that guy's name was Proverb. Oh, man. And How said, come you always tell me stuff that I say that I don't remember? <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. But so, so that, but the, the cool thing about that grooming process that God does when you're being called is that um, my first year in ministry, there was a lot of things I had experienced, but I had a kind of a precursor to them. Mm-hmm. Before this full-time gig started, yeah, okay. So I had encountered over, you know, when I was a leader at the uh, other young adults program, I had encountered all kinds of the, let's call it church politics, and mm-hmm. you know. But even before that, I was in a management position in my my full-time day job. So I had in, uh, experience with, um, you know, managing people, sure, and yep. coordinating mm-hmm. and executing events and teams, and so all those things have played into my full-time position here. So a lot of the things, even though they were a first-time experience them as a full-time pastor, it wasn't my first-time experience. Right, right, right. So like, basically, God was showing you uh, snippets, if you will, of what your life was going to become. Absolutely. So he was just kind of, all right, I'm going to have you here doing this. And you're like, okay, I mean, when you're in that environment, you, you're just doing what you do. Yeah. You know? And everything that, you know, don't get me wrong, there's tons of stuff that I had never experienced, but that's all on a micro level. Mm-hmm. Like the minutia, like, you know, how to, you know, set up a counseling meeting or how to, you know, talk about a, a marriage ceremony. I mean, yeah. very, like, you sure. know, detailed and, as we'd say in the business world, standard operating procedure type stuff, not high level, yeah. how to communicate to a person, right. how, to, how to point out who's a leader, who's not, and then how to put that person in leadership. Those are all things I had previous experience mm-hmm. with outside of ministry, but definitely is a crucial to what you're doing now. inside the church. Yeah. yeah. So like when you, when you got this job and you know, I'm sure that it was a huge transition for you, but now a year later, you can kind of see uh, how cohesive that your life has been and the positions that God has had you in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, sure. to pull it all together yep, yep. for this one position. Yep. Would you say that's accurate? I, I would say that's definitely accurate, and that's the whole grooming process that yeah. uh, we have to understand. And as a young man in college getting a degree in biblical studies, I remember being at church on my knees at the altar saying, God, what do you want me to do? And I didn't get an answer. Yeah. And I would be there week after week on my knees getting my degree in biblical studies, but still asking, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> I would. Uh, am I dialing the right number? I mean, you. And yeah. I'll never forget talking to like a lay leader when I was on my knees and he put his hand on me, just kind of trying to comfort me. And he, he asked me, he's like, son, what are you praying for? I'm like, I'm just asking God for his direction. You know, should I go full time ministry or not? Or what should I do with my life? Mm-hmm. And he's like, and what is he saying? And I said, I got nothing. <laughs> but you know what, God, he lets you know what you need to know when yeah. you need to know it. Yeah, that's and, accurate. You know, that was like 30 years ago. And 30 years ago, I didn't need to hear. God's like, you're not ready to hear what you're going to do. Yeah. What I need you to do is take care of you right now where you're at. Yeah. So. That's dope, man. So let's get into your journey a little bit. I, I know you're a huge fan of music. Mm-hmm. 
and music is a huge part of your journey. Absolutely. So tell me how you got into music and, and where that all started. I know your dad was kind of yep. a musician back in the day. Yep. Uh, drummer? Was yes. It? Okay. So yep. talk to us about that. Yeah. So my dad was a rock and roll drummer, grew up all around music, grew up seeing the clippings, the newspaper clippings that my grandmother would save of him mm -hmm. from his performances because from high school he was out, yeah. you know, gigging, you know, big time gigs, you know, with big acts back in the 70s and stuff. And so... I grew up with that personification of my father as a musician that yeah. really just shaped my love for music. And of course, you know, anybody growing up in the 80s, you know, Michael Jackson was yeah. a huge influence. And I just really, you know, fell in love with that the concept of being a front man and stuff like that. Axl Rose, Elvis Presley and all these type of people. But I had one major problem. I had no ability to sing <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. That's kind of going to hinder your whole <laughs> career, a, man. It was a minor hindrance, you know? You know? A so, little sidestep, a little hurdle, you got to uh, go, you know, go over a little bit. Nothing that we can't you know, look over. But so, um, so as hip-hop kind of surfaced into the mainstream, I was probably about, I don't even know what, not barely 10, something like that, maybe yeah. eight, eight or nine, I don't sure. know. You know, you had breaking one, breaking two, mm -hmm. which was Electric taking boogaloo. You know, it's taking that hip hop culture and giving it to the masses mm -hmm. and, and and pop culture and people that were in suburbia like me. And so I got exposed to to hip hop and to the rap that came along, and I was like, man. And I think something in me from my father being a drummer, I was drawn to the rhythm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So even though I wasn't a drummer by trade. I have this, just in my, in my mind, whether it's true or not, I have this natural rhythm inside of me that I get from my father. Mm -hmm. And so the hip-hop and the, the, the rapping just was an easy connection. Sure. And lo and behold, you don't got to sing to rap. No, you don't. And well, meh, meh. if your name's Drake, maybe. But. Maybe, but this is way before Drake. <laughs> yeah, no. This is way before Drake. So, uh, so, so to me, it was like, Psh, it's go time. Yeah. I was like 12 years old. Mm -hmm. I knew what I wanted to be, where I was going to go, and how I was going to do it. And uh, and Will Smith had blazed the, the path there with uh, Parents Don't Understand, Nightmare on My Street, and some other, you know, down Girls south. Girls ain't nothing but trouble. They, and some other down south groups that were just blowing up at the time. Um, you know, I'm not going to mention their name, but had the word crew in it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but all these things were just blowing up hip-hop. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I was like, yo, I'm going to do And then... After that emerged, you have the emergence of the white rapper, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which really, honestly, from my perspective... Wait, wait, wait. You're white? <laughs> Shh. <laughs> okay. I, all these years, Yo, I didn't hey, know. Here's the deal, man. I didn't know, I, Look, man. I used to go to the studio, and, and from the studio, now obviously I'm not black, but in the studio, you know, Chuck, the engineer, God bless Chuck... He's the most amazing engineer, known a man. But he thought I was Hispanic. Everybody always thought I was Hispanic, you know? Yeah. Because, like, there's no way you can rap like this and be white. That's uh, funny. You know? But the it's emergency funny. of the white rapper yeah. really, I think, emboldened me to think, man, I could, like, I could really do this. Yeah. And so, boom, that just set me on a path that, you know, I was ambitious. And I, from 12 years old, I started writing songs and didn't stop. And then, next thing you know, Album after album after album, and gig after gig, and hustle after grind, and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. But I loved every single minute of yeah, it. Yeah. And then, and then at 16, I became a born again believer. And then at 17, started to transition 
and use those talents and gifts for the Lord. And that was the journey. So tell me, tell me the names of your album. So if someone's checking out this podcast, and I'm assuming that they are, <laughs> I hope they are. Millions uh, and millions. Millions. Billions of people. Millions. Uh, drop some of the names of your albums they can find on Spotify, Pandora, wherever they listen to music. So the album's in order. You're not going to find this one, but the first one was called Total Praise. And then the follow-up to that was Hip Hop on Another Level. You can find that everywhere. Then the follow-up to that was Withering Tree. Mm-hmm. And then the following up to that was I Go Back. And then I have a fifth studio project that... Five album. ...hasn't been released. Uh, and only the Lord knows if it ever will, but that's the five album. So those are all the projects. And that, I mean, gosh, that was my life. My kids grew up at concerts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the table... Yep. You know, my wife hustling merch. Yeah, it was me. it was truly a family gig. It was a family I, I gig. Can attest you know, to that. Yeah. My, my wife covering my kids' ears as babies. You know, because it was booming. And but uh, it's you know, it was amazing. It was a beautiful time. But uh, I, I think even in all of that, God was using that and grooming me for full time ministry. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. That's cool, man. So being that you're an MC and uh, and you're white. Who knew? Who knew? Um, what do you think about the current state of hip hop? And I know there's varying answers. You know, there's a politically correct answer where, hey, you know, I, these young guys just are having a new style and mm-hmm. you got to appreciate mm-hmm. it. And then there's the old heads that are like, yeah, man, it's trash. Yeah. You know, and I'm one of those guys uh, because I prefer the pure essence of East Coast hip hop or just hip hop that has something to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, if I can't understand what you're saying, then you're not speaking to me. Or if you're not really saying something at all. If you're not really saying anything. Hey, yeah, 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 It's like, yeah, okay, man, I get it. I you get it. You're the preposition rapper. I understand. There you go. So put something between those and maybe we can see, see something. I don't know. But what do you think about the current state of hip hop? Yeah, so, I mean, here's the deal. My father was an old school rock and roll head. And anything that dropped after, you know, 1979 was garbage. Hot garbage. Hot trash. So, unfortunately, Prof, you know, I love you. Yeah. But you got you got the dad syndrome <laughs> because you're stuck in 1995. Hey, and, man. and everything after that is hot garbage. Hot trash, bro. You know? And so, it so is. I'm not saying that, that's, that there's not, that's not some truth to that, but you do have some MCs today that have got talent and skill and sure. ability. Yeah. Now, they're not the ones that are popping off. Right. But the reality of it is, whether you want to accept it or I want to accept it, is that music styles change, Mm -hmm. music tastes change, and the audience that's listening to that changes. So now my kids, my daughter's 15, my oldest daughter's 18, you know, they're the ones deciding what they're going to buy, what they're going to listen to, Mm -hmm. and what they like. So whether I like it or not, they like this sound, or this sound is popping off, so they're jumping on it, you know, but I do find a, a degrading... Um, of the quality of hip hop to that, you know, real simplistic, almost Miami sound that was just a hook over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever that was, that Miami style, the bass style that was just a, it, the hook. You mean if they said a lyric or two, you're yeah, lucky. You yeah, know, it was yeah. always a hook, hook, yeah. hook, hook, yeah. hook, hook, hype, hook, hype, hype, hook, beat. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what really I feel like we got. There's some people that break that mold, but not many. Yeah, is that good or is that bad? That's in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it I can appreciate. Most of it I do not. Yeah. And I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I, I interviewed a guy 
on this podcast once. His name is Ricky Aiken. Shout out to Ricky Aiken, um, who was uh, the president and CEO of this group called Inner City Innovators. And what he said to me is so profound uh, because as a as a leader in the community, he uh, talks to a lot of young guys on the street and tries to pull them out of the street lifestyle into a productive lifestyle so they can see other opportunities beyond just the corner. And he said that uh, even in his 30s, he's almost aged out of the um, yeah. ability mm-hmm. to be able to speak to where they are. Yeah. They are. Mm-hmm. And so he is trying to raise up other other peers yeah. closer in age to be able to speak to where they are because he, at 30, has aged out. Yeah. Yep. Of the ability to be able to speak into their lives, and I kind of feel like the same thing is happening to hip hop, right? So, as a, but in reverse, kind of like a as a listener, I've aged out of yep. the ability to be able to understand current hip hop. Absolutely. Uh, but I still, res- you know, I still respect the art form and people that make the art. But it's just the art itself that I just don't appreciate anymore, like I used to. Um, hot garbage. I, hot trash. <laughs> hot garbage. I stick by that. Yeah. Got a hefty bag for all y'all cats. Just <laughs> come kidding. on now. Nothing be but, nice. Nothing be but nice. Love, nothing but love. But yeah, I still, I still like listen to the people I listen to that are aging with me, mm-hmm. and they to this day are still as relevant as they were since the first time I heard them. Um, and that's just you know, again, that's just me. And like you said, it's a, it's a perspective of, you know, the eye of the beholder, the ear of the beholder, yeah. if you will. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about about your hip hop and how you you know you talked about your dad and your journey of getting into hip hop and the emergence of the white rapper slash third bass mm-hmm. uh, Eminem mm-hmm. um, man who else was out there uh, Beastie Boys yep, all absolutely. those guys uh, how did that affect you and how did that propel you to pursue it Well, as you saw these other MCs these white MCs come up you know that just emboldened me to write and not be ashamed of the fact that I was white yeah but even as I was I was 12 I was like man I can't wait till I hit uh, puberty because I won't sound like a girl yeah. when I'm rapping because right. I probably sounded like this you know I ain't gonna lie right. and I'm and that but honestly that was the, the part of my healthy progression as an artist mm-hmm. and the other thing I used to do before we have all this technology it's insane the technology cats have today they could do anything. But I was taking cassette tapes and I would dub over cassette tapes with my mouth with beatboxing and, and horns and, and strings. So I would just dub over, dub over, dub over yeah. and make my beats like. Yeah. And I'd do that for all the sounds and have this massive amount of hiss. And then I'd rap over that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I showed it to this other local artist who is a rock and roll artist, but he's like. Dude, you are a producer. You are produced. Keep that mentality yeah. going. And so from a young age, I even heard myself and said, man, my voice is too high. It's mm-hmm. not there. And over the years, taking always taking a step back and saying, okay, I liked it, but is it as good as this guy? Mm-hmm. Is it as good as third base? Is it as good right. as Eminem? You know, is it as good as... And so that uh, that has always helped me to grow myself as an artist, to be honest with myself, and to step back and take take off my ears and put on my listening ears yeah. and compare it to whatever is so called the hottest and the best out there. Right. And say, do I compare? Do I stack up? Where do I need to tighten up? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I always hit the mark, but I was always shooting for it. Yeah. And the cool thing about what you just said, Jay, is this: when fans listen to J Dub and Eminem. Um, the cool thing is, lyrically, you don't have to be an Eminem to have the quality that his music has. Sure. And that's the important thing. Yeah, you could be the hot MC with dope bars, but 
if you're on hiss of a cassette tape, no one's going to be checking for that. Yeah. But if the quality is on point, like, yo, this cat put money into this, it sounds like he went to a real studio, just like M, or just like Black Thought, or just yeah. like this. Sure, his bars are maybe not as dope, but he's in there. He's in the ballpark. And so when I think about quality, that's what I think about. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, making sure your quality is on point to something that can be sold in stores and not just something that's passed out on the streets that's subpar. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. And and that helps you bridge the gap yeah. to a listener. Yeah, absolutely. That helps you bridge the gap. But then you also, <clears throat> you have to, the best you can, flip it the best you can yep. so that you do have some type of quality in your creativity mm -hmm. without the profanity, the yeah. worldliness, the sinfulness that worldly right. hip-hop brings. And yeah. so that was always the challenge to not just be like or better as, as Eminem or whoever you're trying to be like, but try to be more innovative and more creative and obviously keep it within the confines of our faith. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So that was always the real struggle that I was trying to achieve was, you know, how can I be better than what's out there but still be true to what I believe in? Yeah, you know, so absolutely. That was the journey, man. Cool, man. And so you could kind of say that you went from MC to pastor, mm -hmm. rapper to pastor. There you go. If you will. Uh, and now you're a father too. You have... Uh, two girls, mm -hmm. right? And you've been married for how many years now? 22 years to my beautiful, lovely, amazing wife, Susan, a.k.a. Sue Dub. Sue Dub. Shout out to Sue Dub. Um, so tell me, man, what what's the hardest part of being a father to two girls? Mm, you know, I think the hardest part is just uh, trying to be a good example because yeah. I'm a human being. Sure. And I'm not perfect. Yep. But I do love my kids. I do love Jesus. And I've always wanted to be a good example because I know that we learn by example. Mm -hmm. And whenever I see bad qualities in my children, nine times out of ten, they look like the exact same things that I do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, oh, Yeah, that's the same part. It. It's hard to call out something when you know you're doing it too. That is yeah. so me. I'm going to just know? let that slide because, you know, I, I do that too. So oh, God. get a pass on that one. Uh, so so that's the to me, that's the biggest struggle yeah. is just... Because I've never, I've never wanted to push a false narrative with my kids. Yeah. And I've always tried to be real. I've always tried to be transparent. I've always tried to be genuine, but and always try to bring it back to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that at the end of the day, when my kids grow up and move out of the house, they will know where the foundation is. Sure. And wherever they go or may stray or whatever happens, they know they can always come back to Jesus, yep. and Jesus is the foundation of life. And um, so that that's. You know, that's just been the struggle because we're all human. I'm a human being. I'm not mm -hmm. perfect. You know, I'm not super dad. You know, I'm not the, you know, whatever we think. I have a perception of what the perfect family is. Yeah. I have never sniffed <laughs> that perception <laughs> by an Haven't an even ounce. come close. Haven't it. even come close <laughs> to it. I'm a failure 100% of the time, but I'm doing my best and I've always done my best. And hopefully when my kids grow up and they marry and they have their own kids, um, they'll say, yeah, my dad wasn't perfect but he was always honest he was always real and he was always about jesus that's yeah, my prayer that's tight man so as a father and a husband tell me g give me one thing uh the new one of the newest lessons you've learned as a husband i think the the one of the newest lessons is one of the oldest lessons i've kind of known but i always kind of go back to and 
that's um, quality time is huge. Mm-hmm. Quality time is huge. And, you know, especially if you read the book Five Love Languages, you know that some people, that's their love language. Yeah. But regardless if it's their love language or not, just quality time is huge. And as an artist and as a pastor, your time gets sucked up like a vacuum. Yeah. And you know that. Yeah. And so yeah. that's just, uh, you know, whenever I have an unbalance in my house, or I feel like an unbalance in my life, my family life, it's usually because I'm not giving my family the quality time that they uh, they deserve. Quality time. Yes, sir. That's it. Yes, sir. That's the key. I, I mean, in my opinion, for my life, for your absolutely. Context, absolutely. All right, man. Quality time. Quality time. Yes. And there's four other love languages. Uh, and shout out to Dr. Gary Chapman for the five love languages. Uh, and I don't know what they are, but you can read the book. And <laughs> you can find out for yourself. But I've heard they're good. <laughs> I heard they're good. I heard, I heard they're amazing. I heard they're incredible. Um, man, anything else you want to leave with the audience? What do you want to talk about? Brother, if you're out there and you feel like you're being called and you don't know, just continue to serve him where you're at. Mm, yeah. Serve him That's where good. you're at. No matter if you're a rapper or a producer or a, a cook or a bus driver or a secretary or a teacher, serve him where you're at and he will utilize your experience and your journey to get you to where he wants you to be. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. Um, There's this verse. I don't know if it's a verse or something that's been said, but uh, if he can trust you with the small things, he'll give you bigger things because he knows you're faithful. So uh, if if you're not willing to serve wherever you planted, then... Guaranteed Absolutely. you're going to be there for a while. Yep. Either one, until you burn out, or two, until you learn start to, to listen. St- yeah, learn to listen and, and start serving faithfully. And then you'll see some slow progression in what, what it is you're supposed to be doing. Amen, amen. Yeah, man. So, Jay, man, thank you, man, for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you, it's sir. Been great. Appreciate it. Catching up with you and, and uh, finding out Love about you, your journey a little bit. And uh, you can check out J-Dub. Do you have a website anymore? No longer. No longer. No longer. But How you can, can people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, J-Dub561. That's uh, always been my moniker there on you know Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, YouTube. And just you can Google me and shoot me a DM. I'm always here for prayer and for questions and support for anybody. So J-Dub561. Of course, you can find me at thegraceplace.com. And I have an email account, which is uh, with the Grace Place, which is jdub at thegraceplace.com. So. That's awesome. So he's easy to get in touch with. If you want to follow up this podcast, reach out to him, ask some questions, find out more about his music. Whatever you want to do, check him out at jdub561 at any social media outlet, and you can reach out to him. Hey, that's it. That's our time. It's a wrap for this edition of The Sojourn. I will see you next time. Remember, life's a journey. Enjoy the trip. That's a wrap for this episode of The Soul Journey. Hopefully you learned something, were inspired, and motivated to begin a journey of your own. Please email me your comments, questions, or even suggestions for my next guest at proverb.newsome at gmail.com. Once again, that's proverb.newsome at gmail.com. This has been The Soul Journey. Remember, life is a journey. Enjoy the trip.